Welcome to the Creative Homeschool Podcast. In this podcast, I'm coming at you to deliver you a weekly dash of creativity to make your homeschool exciting for your kids, but for you too. We're going to explore all of the different ways to creatively homeschool. Games, field trips, unit studies, writing activities, kid businesses, art, and more. I'm your host, Julie Soule, longtime homeschool mom, shenanigan enthusiast, espresso drinker, and founder and co-owner of Soul Sparklets Art. I've helped thousands add creativity and joy to their homeschool, and I'm ready to help you too. Ready to get started? Let's go. I am ready to share eight of the ways that you can spot homeschoolers in the wild. Now, today's episode is just for fun. I know that these are huge stereotypes. And I also think that there's some truth in a lot of these. I know I recognize myself, my homeschool, and a lot of my homeschool friends in these. So I wanted to bring something a little fun, a little bit light. We've talked about how to find homeschooling groups and how to find your people on a more serious note. But some of these ideas are actually ways that you might actually spot some homeschoolers out there when you're looking for friends just like you. So number one, you go to a playground and the kids are not on the playground. So you can spot homeschoolers in the wild because the kids might play on the slide on the swing set for about five to 10 minutes. And then they are in the forest looking for sticks, leaves, building forts, making magic mud, and so on. And I know there's a lot of kids, uh, homeschool kids and public school kids, both that love the playground and love to do this. But again, I noticed that there are a large amount of homeschool kids who tend to move away from the playground and onto and into the forest when given the first opportunity. Number two, the collectors, the collectors of things such as seashells, feathers, rocks. And if you ask these kids if they spotted that rare rock over there. Homeschool kids are going to run towards those rocks because they want to add something to their collection. They are interested in in sparkly rocks, that blue feather you found, that little bit of a turtle eggshell. Lots of collecting continues to go on. And this leads me into number three. If you are at a location and you spot a mom and she's kind of crouched over and she's surrounded by eight to 15 kids, chances are you have a homeschooling parent who picks up something like a turtle or a snake or something rare and she's pointed it out to her own kids and suddenly has developed a collection of children who are interested in what she has to share. I know this has happened more than enough times for myself. I know I've been at a park with homeschooling friends and we've spotted baby snakes. One time there was a mole, little tiny turtles, toads, any kind of little animals. And inevitably, there is a large collection that will follow. Typically, this is a great way to spot a homeschool parent. Number four, head into the library. Take a look at what people are carrying. Do they have one book? How do you go to the library and only get one book? I don't get it. Do they have a small bag or do they have one of those wheeled carts or something like a shopping cart and they are just running to the library? They have way too many books. They're questioning the librarians on how many books that they can take out total. 
and questioning their limits. And they're saying, hey, we'll bring back our 65 books that are due tomorrow. Or maybe you see them a little too frequently in the library, like once every three days instead of once every few weeks. So the library is a great place. Or number five, the grocery store. If you see someone leaving the grocery store with way too much cream of tartar, that could be for homemade Play-Doh, with a lot of Mentos or other interesting things that you use for your typical science experiments, like baking soda and vinegar to make those homemade volcanoes, and you think there's no way that they need that much baking soda, chances are you might have come across a kitchen science experiment homeschooler. Number six, you spot someone at Home Depot buying some really unusual combinations of objects. I'm not talking about someone who looks like they're redesigning their bathroom. I'm talking about something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You might have someone about to build a homemade catapult or trebuchet in their backyard. Or if you see someone collecting large sticks, walking around the neighborhood asking, hey, Do you have a need for that large stick or that large rock that you have out there? Could I have that? Chances are they're building something in their backyard and they're getting ready to build some kind of outdoor contraption that you probably want to be a part of. I know I do. Number seven, if you spot a person with their kids on a blanket in the middle of a park, a playground, or any kind of green grassy area, and you hear poetry being recited, chances are you have a homeschooler in your midst and they're doing poetry tea time. For any of you who haven't done poetry tea time, this was something that was inspired by Julie Bogart and her Brave Writer series. I know we used to do this and you pretty much bring tea, you bring snacks, you bring a picnic, you bring whatever you'd like, and you celebrate poetry together. This is a really popular homeschool activity, and if you spot someone reciting poetry in the middle of a park or an open space, chances are they took their poetry tea time on the road and you are in the presence of a homeschooler. And last but not least, dressing up. If you spot someone who is dressed up and ready to go to a historical reenactment, a Renaissance festival. They're dressed up as an ancient Assyrian because they're studying that time in ancient history. They are dressed up, and it is not October. They're dressed as pirates for that day. Now, spirit weeks in schools tend to be a little bit like Wacky Hair Day, wear different socks. But if you're talking about that kind of dressing up that's a little bit over that, or maybe you have kids who are wearing their cat ears and their princess wings and their 10 and they're headed to the park, chances are you have kids who are free to be themselves. They are enjoying everything that life has to offer with their friends and imaginative play at the park, or they're heading over to some kind of play or historical reenactment. So just to summarize, number One, not on the actual playground, but at the playground. Number two, collecting rocks, shells, feathers. Number three, a mom or dad surrounded by kids who is clearly looking at something very interesting. Number four, shopping cart at the library. Number five, buying 
large amounts of unusual items at the grocery store. Number six, buying some interesting combinations of things somewhere like Home Depot or Lowe's or collecting too many sticks and rocks. Number seven, reciting poetry in the middle of a park. And number eight, dressing up in some combinations of clothing. And it's not October. Okay, everyone, I'd love to hear what you would add to this list. So remember, this is just in fun. These are stereotypes, but also there's a lot of truth in them. I know there is for me, but I would really love to hear what you would add to this list so we can make a volume two of this and and even maybe get it up on the blog just for others to just have and take a moment to laugh. Okay, everyone, until next time. that are running away from writing instead of toward it, chances are you're feeling a little bit frustrated. But that's because so many writing programs out there have kids writing things like, tell me about your bedroom, instead of things that kids actually want to write. So I'd like to introduce you to the Delicious Diner course. What is it? It's a writing course for kids. It gets them writing effortlessly. They're having fun. They're creating their own delicious diner by marketing, writing help wanted ads, writing recipes, menus, learning about floor plans, writing, grammar, typing, entrepreneurship, and it's all through using Canva. There's even the first section of the course where I'm going to teach kids how to use Canva and how to get started. And if you're not familiar with Canva, you might really like watching it too. Canva is a graphics design software. You can use it completely for free. There is a paid version. You do not need the paid version in order to have fun with this course. But as an introductory offer, we are offering it for $10 off instead of $29. You can grab it for $19. It's a one-time purchase. It's for the entire family. Check the link in the show notes for the link to learn more and sign up and make sure to come hungry.